0: We find ourselves in Acts chapter 8 this morning as we make our way through the uh, book of the Acts. I've been told recently it was a very interesting perspective that this is a missionary newsletter, isn't it? That's exactly what it is to determine what went on in the the beginnings of the church. You know, before I start, I noticed this morning that over here on this pew, you saw all those little ones and, and there was a spiritual lesson that can be gleaned from those little ones. Because at one point, when the, when the music was going, and I noticed it was kind of correlation with the music, the legs would just flop up and down, wouldn't it? <laughs> you saw them all across. It almost looked like a piano keys. They went all the way across. little Up and down and up and down. You know, I got to thinking about that. I thought, wait a second. You mean the closer our feet get to the ground... Hmm, the less joy and flop. <clears throat> I didn't see where many adults got them deep. Straight on the ground, don't they? I better not do that too much. There's termites around here. I'm going to have to end up about six feet below. But they got their feet planted on the ground, don't they? These little ones, they can't reach the ground yet, can they? <laughs> this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> they just go like crazy. Isn't that great? Oh, I tell you, don't... Don't, don't tread so, so hard. Tread lightly. And maybe we can get that, that flip back. That happiness back. That that joy. That, that, that's such an integral part of our salvation. That joy. And it becomes such a grand testimony to a very unrejoiceful world around us. I'll tell you, if you walk around it... Oh. You don't distinguish yourself from anyone else that's walking around because they're all walking around their heads sunk in terra firma. You need to keep your head up and be joyful. And then the world says, whoa, what's about you that's not about me? What's different about you? What's, wh- where are you walking? Where are you going? Well, my feet. Maybe it's best to just keep those feet as light as we can on this earth. Because someday, we're going to be taken away to heaven. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and, and, and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went when everywhere, preaching the Word. And we know from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that it was to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts, wasn't it? And it, there seems to be a natural progression here, because chapter 8 is the transition, isn't it? This is when that's going to be enacted. You know, God said that you're going to be going all throughout the world, and they had kind of a narrow perspective, didn't they? And because of the the increased persecution, it might have seemed humanly the most logical thing to do was to stay there. There's strength in numbers, you know. We can encourage each other, and so they they stayed hunkered down in Jerusalem. You know, that's not what God had in mind, did it? God didn't just uh, flippantly say these words that you're going to end up going into the uttermost parts of the earth uh, for nothing. That was a reason. That, that, that was God's desire, wasn't it? But oftentimes we find ourselves doing the most convenient thing, the more, uh, the more comfortable thing. Not moving out beyond ourselves, but doing what is more comfortable. And so that, that's what they were doing. They were staying there in Jerusalem, weren't they? And then came the death Of this godly man, Stephen. And it was God's directive then, by that death, to move this church, move this church out. And we're going to see that. In verse 1 through 3, we have Jerusalem, don't we? In verse 4 through 25, we have Samaria. And in verse 26-40, through we have the uttermost parts of the earth. And so you have this transition. This chapter 8 becomes that transition when they move out with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What took place here never ever left Paul. And in the 22nd chapter of Acts, you'll find out that he rehearses the death of Stephen, doesn't he? It, it, it had a huge impact on him. How couldn't it have had a huge impact on him? When you see this man as, as, as he speaks and he says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, and it was evident to everyone around that he was full of the Holy Ghost and saw the glory of God. That's what we were speaking about this morning, isn't it? That's the primary focus. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. You know, it's been well pointed out by many that that why was the Lord standing? Well, we just talked about Hebrews when He was seated at the right hand of God. And here He's standing. What is He doing? You know, it's almost as though He's wel- welcoming Stephen in, isn't it? This great heralded saint of God. This young man, he wasn't that old. He was one of those who was chosen out to deal with the, the issues of the widows. Uh, 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 as well, Philip, as we're gonna find out. This young man who, who was so full of the Holy Spirit, and he had a a death that moved the church. Some would say, Oh, what a waste. What a waste. Just think of how much he, he could have been an influence on in the world with, with a man so devoted. Look at how much he influenced the church in his death. No waste fully within the accords of the will of God the Father as he moved his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts we we think differently than he does and he says this is the way I'm going to move these people says they stopped up their ears man they they stopped up their ears because this man they they could tell they they could they could perceive that this man was full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't exalting himself, right? He sees the glory of God. And so they stopped up their ears because they couldn't take it no more. And Saul, in response, th- this whole scene, I'm, I'm sure it, it, it played very difficult on his heart. He knew that the, that the truth was right here. And then later on we're going to find out, so why dost thou kick against the goad? That's a painful thing, isn't it? To, to kick against a, a sharp stick and that you just want to knock that stick out. That's not a very smart thing to do. The stick wins, man. Why are you kicking against the goad and this whole scene just keeps rolling through Saul's mind? And so the church goes out. It was compared to mercury. Have you ever, as a kid, played with mercury? I did. I, I played with. Oh, that's a terrible thing. But you know, mercury's not very good. Don't do this. It's a stupid thing to play with mercury. But as a kid, man, this, this stuff's really neat. So you, you, you have this ball of mercury and you, you, you tap it, and boom, it, it splits off in a, a whole bunch of little balls of mercury. And then if you kind of move it a little bit, it all comes back together, a nice little ball of mercury again. It's nice and shiny. And, and, and that's the way the church was being spread, wasn't it? There were little balls of mercury that were going out and, and, and they weren't going out in some sort of a deep theological statement. They weren't going out preaching and teaching the Old Testament and grinding away at the truths thereof. They were going out with what? The simple Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you hear people oftentimes say well i i, you know, I can 't witness so you know i 'm I'm not i 'm not a theologian i, I, I don 't know the word of God that well i i, I 'm not very good at apologetics i i 'm not oh i 'm nothing, please, and the more you 're nothing, the more you are you see that 's exactly what God wants nothing's because all we have to offer this 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 painfully dying world around us is a gospel it's the gospel of the good news of the lord jesus christ the fact that he died he was buried and that he rose again are those difficult facts to understand listen don't don't get off on all kinds of uh, 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 strange rabbit trails people will love to get you on rabbit trails stay with the gospel Everyone knows the Gospel that has the Spirit of God dwelling in them and has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got a message to tell. And that's exactly what they did. They went out, didn't they? They went out. They went out. Strangely enough, they went out to Samaria of all places. What a place to go. The Jews never got along with the Samaritans. They looked down on the Samaritans. They were a second-class citizen. When Assyria came in and and took over Samaria, they took the Jews for the most part. Not all of them, but most of the Jews out and they, they transferred in other peoples in order to make a sort of mixed breed. So they kind of forget their religion. Well, they didn't. They didn't. And many of those mixed breeds, those ones that were brought in actually proselytized but they were looked down upon by the nation of Israel. And this man Philip breaks the barriers of prejudice Because that's exactly where he goes. Samaria. Now, I don't want to go into that neighborhood. Oh, no, no, that, no, no, no. Well, there might be someone there that's, that's waiting for the good news of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and Philip was willing to go. And that's exactly what He did. The disciples stayed behind. Some criticized them. I don't think I'm going to criticize them. Because, you see, by staying behind in Jerusalem, where was the persecution? The persecution was right there in Jerusalem. And so God miraculously kept them under some very severe circumstances. The apostles stayed back, didn't they? Verse Number four says this, <clears throat> therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word now this these words preaching the word are very interesting because if you take the actual Greek form they 're dealing with preaching the gospel, the simple gospel, proclaiming who this Jesus Christ was, the fact that yes, he did rise from the dead, yes, he was crucified at the hands of the Jews, he was he died and then He was buried and then He rose again from the dead. That's the Gospel that they preached. And so the church went out and they began a college, you know, and they began to ordain people to make them equipped to deal with the preaching of... Oh, please. Wow, isn't it refreshing? You know, you could have sent out the big guns. The apostles themselves send out the big guns. He did send out the big guns. The young ones. This man was a part of that group that was, that was there to, to, to deal with the needs of widows. And then the Spirit of God pulls him aside and says, I've got a job for you to do. And I'm going to provide the firepower whereby you can do it, you see. And he became full of the Holy Spirit, just like uh, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. Philip was full of the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they simply gave the message of the good news of the salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ had provided. No ordination, simple men, no big education. Just individuals who are willing to take the truth and go forward with the truth. That, that's all that the Lord wants from you and me today. You say, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't argue this and I can't argue that. You don't need to argue anything. Simply give the truth. If the ears are stopped up, move on! Find another set of ears, you know? Don't worry about those ears. Move on! That's all that we're to do. We're not saving anyone anyways. We're not the saving factor. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that brings, at His will, those into His church. It says in verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord. I want you to notice this word, one accord, because this is interesting. You go back and you see how God blessed in uh, chapter 2 of Acts and and verse number 1 where it talks about they came in one accord there was a unity there was a unifying factor with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and they came in one accord there's power isn't there in unity And suddenly, the the Spirit of God began to work in a marvelous way. And there were miracles that were were there. And people were healed. and, 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 And people were made to walk again. All in manifesting that this Gospel that was spoken of by Philip was the true Gospel. And they came in unity. And the Lord said from heaven, I will bless that. Let me tell you, As far as the church is concerned, in in a local body, there's nothing more devastating than when there is no unity, disharmony amongst the brethren. It is a terrible place to be. But oh, how the, 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 the doors of heaven will swing open when there is one accord. There's unity. God can look down and say, I'm going to bless that gathering. I'm going to bless them to go forward with the Gospel. And that's exactly what He did here in this land of Samaria, just north of Jerusalem. He gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. What a joyous sight this was. These people in this city of Samaria, they were sitting on the front pews and their legs and their feet couldn't reach the... The floor, and so they were just kicking with joy over the salvation that had been presented them by this simple young man named Philip. But then the word of God goes on, and there is this Simon, Simon the the sorcerer, and it says, "But when, uh, but there was a certain man. This is verse nine, called Simon, which before time." In the same city you sorcery and bewitch the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one. Now, if I were to write a missionary newsletter... Okay, and, and, and I'm Philip and I'm writing a missionary newsletter, sending it back to Jerusalem so that the apostles can see what is going on over here. Apparently that was done, by the way. There was some sort of a communication because we'll find out later on the apostles show up here. But I'm going to write this newsletter back there. I might forget that little experience with this sorcerer named Simon. But that's, that's, that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. What if all this was was, was one encouraging uh, 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 conversion after the other, encouraging conversion after the other, and all you see is this, this, this trend that went straight up, you know? Philip gave forth the Gospel and people got saved by the droves. Many. Many were saved in the city of Samaria. But somehow or another, the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, includes this little scene with this self-serving individual named Simon. Why? I asked myself that as as I read through this familiar passage, and I thought, man alive, I mean, if I was writing a letter, I wouldn't do that. But you know what? As we go out there and we present the Gospel to people out there, there are going to be Simons. You're going to run into Simons. Get ready, you know? Sometimes people are going to say the strangest things to you because they're standing in absolute rebellion to the Gospel. They're saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, no, I will not. And you're going to run into those people. You're going to run into Simons. Even those who are are self-seeking. That's what Simon was. All full of pride and self-seeking. This city thought he was a great one. He had some sort of a special power. He he had influence. He bewitched the people, that's what it says. He bewitched the people. That term doesn't mean that he was running around putting hexes on them. He basically uh, dazzled them is what he did. They thought, wow, this guy's really something. Wow. Something. Hmm. But Simon saw what Philip was doing. Simon saw what Philip was doing that Philip really wasn't doing, but that the Spirit of God through Philip was doing. And it was powerful. And it had great influence. And it changed the masses very quickly that were there. It changed the minds of the people in Samaria. And he said, boy, if I could get that power. Now that's something, you know. Let's read on. Verse number 12 but then they believed Philip preaching and the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus that were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized... so they, they, he was a believer and supposedly... We know he wasn't, but... He says he continued with Philip, wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now in verse 14, here comes the apostles. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them uh, Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, He was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." And they laid their hands on them and and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw through the laying out of the apostles' hands the, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Hmm. Well, that was a great revelation of the heart of Simon right there. Simon no longer believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior than any one other pagan person on the street who has no regard for the Lord. Simon wanted what he could get out of this Gospel. And and when Peter began to lay hands on individuals to give them a special endowment of the Holy Spirit, I think there are two reasons for this having taken place. Now we know that once we are saved... We have the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there. It's present with us upon our conversion. I believe it was in them upon their conversion. But this was a special endowment of the Spirit of God. Number one, by Peter and John coming up from Jerusalem into Samaria. Remember, the Jews didn't get along well with the Samaritans. When they came up and they laid hands on them, it was a unifying factor, wasn't it? It says, yes... You are now one of us. As much as they disdained, even in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was evidence that they, the disciples at that time, disdained the Samaritans. As much as they disdained, you are now one of us. And so that accomplished that because Peter laid his hands right on these individuals. And the other thing was that there was a special endowment. There was a special ability that, that there might be evidence given that this Gospel is true. The miracles that went forward, the people that were healed, those gave evidence that the words of Philip were true. Well, then why don't we have that now? Why don't we do that now? Why can't we go into the neighborhoods and knock on doors and, and people can answer the door and say, oh, I noticed you have a little limb? Whoom. Limp-healed. Well, I can do that. I can do that. i got the power to do that. I can go and knock on a door and I can say, whoa, Word of God, all the truth is right here. All the evidence needed in order to validate the Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is right here in the Word of God. And we open it up and we listen to what God has to say. What God has to say about this Gospel that He gave us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He died in our place at Calvary. And let me tell you, that's enough validation. We have the completed Word of of God. This was the beginnings of the church and they needed special validation of the words that were given. And so, here was Peter. And Peter laid his hands. And there was the advent of the Holy Spirit. When then Simon offered to give money for this ability to lay hands on and, and, and that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because man, this will go a long way. You know, Simon, what he was basically in that, he was, he was like a little magician in the city and people came and they paid a lot of money in order to get this guy's input into their lives. And so he wanted all the weaponry he could get. And if he had the ability to lay hands on anyone and there's this infusion of the Holy Spirit, wow, wouldn't that go a long way? I would certainly make a lot of money there. But he was wealthy already, Simon, uh, Simon was, so what he said was, listen, hey, I'll pay for this. G- give me this, man. I'll, I'll pay for this. Let me tell you how blasphemous that is. Let me put it in perspective. This man who, who put a value to the blood... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Look, I have this amount of money. That should cover it, right? Do you see how blasphemous that is? How unbelievably blasphemous that is? Um, we were rehearsing uh, Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. When he, by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, you might say, well, listen, brother, I, that is blasphemous. That's awful. He tried to pay for the this. Out. Listen, people are doing this all the time. And, and this is what they're doing. Let's put it in perspective. This is what they're doing. They are saying, and they're, they're butting the Lord Jesus Christ over as He's seated there at the right hand of the Father. saying, say, Could you please move over? I want a piece of that seat. That, that's what they're saying. That's why it's such blasphemy. That's, that's why Peter responded in such strong terms. Take your money and depart. What he's basically saying is take your money and and head for hell. Pretty strong words. Pretty strong words. But when we take our feeble efforts and begin to buy out for salvation, that's what we're doing. We're pushing the Lord Jesus Christ aside and taking part of His glory that He has with God the Father now as He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's what we're doing. That's why it's so serious. Verse 22 says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, that perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of... These are strong words. This is strong words. This gall is some nasty stuff, man. I think our bodies make it. I talk about. I talked about maybe the doctor afterward. It's some nasty stuff. You're in the gall of bitterness, it says, and in the bond of iniquity, you're being bonded by iniquity. So, so you see, Peter had the gift of discernment, didn't he? Well, this young man Philip, he he went ahead and baptized this guy and, and accepted him at his word, and everything was fine. And when Peter got there, boom. You ain't the real thing. And he laid it out in strong terms. Then answered Peter this is verse twenty four and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me. That this is Simon who says this. Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And so you don't you don't see repentance in regards to Simon. I don't think there was any repentance here. Whether he repented later or not, I do not know. But Peter said, listen, you need to go and you need to repent right away. He said, listen, I, I'm not going to do that, but can you pray for me? Ah. Wow, did he fall short. Did he fall extremely short. So there's the the poor example. As we give out the Gospel, you're going to see these individuals who who uh, they, they, they accept the terms of salvation. And, and we begin to look at their life afterward. And we see that they're still walking in that old man. They're still walking by the options of the flesh. they made no real changes in their life. And you, you, you start questioning, what's going on here? What's, why is there no changes in your life? There needs to be a reaction to the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to deal with those, aren't we? It says, "...if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections..." You see, we're going to have a change of affection, aren't you? "...set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid." with Christ and God. And so we've got to keep going, don't we? It doesn't mean we look at our Simons in our little experience when we give out the Gospel. We look at our little Simons and we become discouraged and we say, well, that doesn't work. You're going to have Simons. But then you're also going to have Ethiopian eunuchs, aren't you? So you see, the Word of God gives us a very negative response to the Gospel, and then it turns right around and gives us a very encouraging, positive response to the Gospel. Philip was going gangbusters in Samaria. And people were becoming saved. And, and boy, what, I've not, what, a, what a missionary report this is! I mean, this is all positive. It was straight uphill. People were becoming saved in Samaria, and Philip was having a very a vital part in that and presenting the gospel, then the Spirit of God comes along and says, "Listen, pick it up, move it out." Wow! You know, I am so encouraged. I am so encouraged. There's not one uh, word from from Philip of of questioning the, the mind of God in this matter. He understood fully that it was the it was the Spirit of God Almighty that had asked him, "Pick it up, move it south." And he probably scratched his head a little, but not a word is spoken. He picked it up. And he moved it south. And the angel of the Lord, verse 26, spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he rose and went. And behold, a, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasures and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. And so what we have here is is no less a proselyte. Uh, Some even went as far as to think that he he could have been Jewish. But I I don't know. Who knows? He was no less a proselyte because he came to Jerusalem to worship. Some even say that it's a possibility that he was there during the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that may have uh, 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 caused him to wonder, wonder, what is this? What is this this way that's taking place? They call it the way that those who were Christians first called an Antioch. What, what is all this? Of course, that would be later on. But this this way, what is this all about? And he began to inquire, didn't he? And so would God just let the, 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 the chariot and all its splendor just march south without an answer? No, God didn't do that, did He? God in a supernatural way... Caused Philip to join up with that chariot, and it says in verse number twenty nine, it was returned and sitting in a chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? In other words, you do you understand what you're do you really understand what you're reading here? And the Ethiopian eunuch had to say, no, I, how can I understand that unless someone tells me, someone guides me. And so it was Philip who, who guided him into all truth. And then w- with hardly even a, a, a change of sentence, it says that he believed and that, that there, was, there was water there. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, what, listen, what hinders me from being baptized? Listen, I'm ready to go. You know, it's interesting to, to note that that the Apostle Paul, we see the evidence of his life as recorded in the scriptures and the epistles, as he went forward and was so instrumental, was so used of God in such a powerful way in the north. Is it possible that this eunuch was used, though not recorded, in as much a powerful way in the south? It's possible. His residence was probably south of Egypt, someplace down south of Egypt. In that area down there, he might have been used just as instrumentally in the lives of individuals down in that south as Paul was used in the lives of individuals up in the north. We just don't happen to have the recording of it. He was miraculously saved. He was miraculously uh, uh, pulled out by God the Father, pulled out as 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 an instrument that would be used to to clarify the gospel as individuals down there. If he was a proselyte, there were probably other proselytes as well down in the south that was probably readily there. He might have been used just the same as the Apostle Paul. It says in verse number 37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all Thine heart. Now, it's interesting to note that this Ethiopian eunuch was probably a very well-educated man. He probably had some fairly high learning in his background. And, and you, could have, you could have easily seen how you would have had temptation as Philip to then to engage this individual on an intellectual level. So much for that he puts the mind completely out. He says that, that with all thy if thou believest with all thine not, not mental all that you know all thy heart, it 's the same gospel, isn't it? The gospel doesn't change, and it 's got to penetrate the heart and the actions of an individual. and there was no hesitation on the part of this. Eunuch. There was no hesitation as he took the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Then was baptized, and then, in in some would say in, a, in in a somewhat miraculous fashion, Philip is picked up again and shipped north once again. Job, well done. Oh, that we might be just as readily available to the mind and will of God as this man was available in this case. Just think if Philip would have said, listen, I understand what the Spirit says here, but I am I'm lighting him up over here in Samaria, man. Ooh, ooh. Hoo, hoo, hoo. First of all, you ain't lighting up nothing. And second of all, if I say go, you better go. And we praise God that He did go. And we praise God that there was a great work done there. And then He was sent back again. What is our work? I ask myself that question. Seeing how God is used in such a... A mighty way, these young men that were assigned to the widows, and, and yet they went out and they did a mighty work. It, it wasn't the apostles that got up out of Jerusalem and, and went north. It was these young men, all full of the Spirit of God. say, man, man we, we can't send them. They, they don't have enough life experience and intellect. They weren't even reared or college. They're not even college graduates. They haven't gone to divinity school. What Wow! Forget all that. The Spirit of God said, I want them. And they became full of the Holy Ghost. And who more qualified to present the Gospel than somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit? Wow! What will God do with us if, if we allow ourselves to become that full of the, the Holy Spirit of God, that influenced by the Spirit of God, we can go forward in the kind of power that that was here With these young men, I'm sure the apostles looked at this mandate in Acts chapter one and verse eight and said, "Father, you know this world's big. (laughs) Can you imagine? I want to put it: God looks down from heaven and he sees this little bitty speck called Earth." And he said, I, I want you to go to the uttermost parts. I want you to go to the whole thing. I, he had a big view, didn't he? He had a big, grand view. And the apostles, they, they kind of had a narrow little view. Well, let's deal with the nation of Israel here, right here at home. We need to deal right here at home. And, and, and here he had this grand view. What, what's your view? You know, sometimes we we've got people all around us that, that work with us, that, that commune with us, that we're we're we, we have an influence in our life in one way or the other. That that could be the, the view that you have, that you become salt in a dying world. Oh, that we might take the the commission very seriously. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Parts of the earth. Billy Graham sat down one day after being told by one of the people in his little circle, they said, Billy, you, you need to go on radio. At the present time in the 1950s there were tent meetings that were going up and 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 that's about all it was but they were having a tremendous influence and this man was having oh that there was one that, there was one that was led out by the spirit of God and and just had an unbelievable influence and someone said Billy you need to go on radio and Billy said no I can't go on radio I'm not nearly eloquent enough he always Lived with this idea that who who am I? And God said, "That's why I love you. That's why I use you." He went on radio. Hesitantly, reluctantly, he began to move out. Billy, you need to go to other countries. Oh no, where well, there's a language barrier and there's this, and there's. This, and he went out to other countries, and God kept blessing see how can you have an interpreter standing next to you. How can that blessing God kept blessing? Oh some are given that that big view right that huge view of the whole world and and what a what a what an opportunity that 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 man had. But what about the small view? Just those people that are around you, you begin to become, become an influence in their lives and it begins to branch out and branch out and branch out and branch out and suddenly you've got a much larger view than you ever anticipated. Oh, that it might be so for His glory. I read in closing this that was read to us this morning. It it blew me away. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Psalm one fifteen. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory, for Thy mercy, and for Thy truth's sake. Not unto us, not unto us. Don't get in the way of the gospel move aside and let the holy spirit work and you never know how far god's going to take us oh I was, I was blessed by that and the whole theme just just exploded off that and so should it it's the glory of the son of the living god not not ourselves not ourselves it's it's all about him isn't it if that be your attitude then you're a vessel meat for the masters use and know that it be so for his glory let's pray our god and our heavenly father we give you thanks that we like like stephen that we like philip that we like later on the apostle paul can be just as available for the glory of Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. O Father, help that our feet do not become so planted on this ground that we become of no use. Help us, Father, to dance across terra firma in a way that this world would not penetrate our beings and we can become Vessels of honor. Help us to walk aright. More by faith. And less by sight. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ's precious name we do pray. Amen.